0: Chapter Twelve of With the Judaeans in the Palestine Campaign. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jonathan Story. With the Judaeans in the Palestine Campaign by John Henry Patterson. Chapter Twelve Our Position in the Melaha. We were now attached to the 12th Cavalry Brigade, commanded by Brigadier General J.T. Wiggin, and on the 16th, 17th, and 18th August we took over D and E sections of the Desert Corps front line, relieving the 19th Indian Lancers and the 6th Indian Cavalry Regiments. We were unfortunately only a few days with the 12th Brigade, which was moved to Ludd soon after we were posted to it. The Jordan Valley, at the place where we were entrenched, is about fifteen miles wide and is over twelve hundred feet below sea-level. It is, for the most part, fairly flat, but is intersected here and there by huge ravines which are in places quite narrow, and at others some hundreds of yards across, with sheer cliffs some thirty to fifty feet high as banks. Looking at the valley from the hills that border it, one would never suspect the existence of these great rifts. The river Jordan runs in the centre of one of these depressions, which in places is fifty to one hundred feet below the ordinary level of the rest of the valley. The wadi Melaha is another huge cleft or rift, running about a mile to the west of and more or less parallel to the Jordan. It is some ten miles long, and varies from a few score yards to a mile in width. Steep cliffs and slopes shut it in on both sides, and make the bed of the Melaha about as hot and stifling a spot as can well be imagined, while, to add further abomination to it, noxious fumes arose in places from its barren and desolate-looking sides and bed a tiny briny streamlet runs its straggling course through it in the dry season although in places it spreads out into large reed-covered swamps the water of this rivulet was so salt that a single drop was more than one could bear to take on the tip of one's tongue we made our headquarters in this gully some three miles from where it flows into the auja of which it is a tributary and here we fixed up a reed hut as our mess-house under the shade of the only tree in this depressing spot. Of course we had to keep down in the depths of the ravine, otherwise we would be seen and shelled by the Turks. This Melahawadi had been made in the course of ages by the rush of water coming down from the Judean range, and from other hills to the north where there is a heavy annual rainfall. Here and there in the ravine, where it is at its broadest, stand isolated hillocks which the water has not worn away and on these had been constructed some of our more northern redoubts they were easy to defend and commanded a good view for their tops were on a level with the surface of the surrounding valley one of our redoubts was named salt and just to the north of it a sparkling spring bubbled out of the side of the cliff it looked so pure and inviting that i took a mouthful and was nearly poisoned for my pains it was the most briny sulphurous liquid imaginable there is a fortune awaiting the man who exploits its medicinal properties the northern end of the melaha was held by the turks and there it opened out into a huge swamp of course the mosquitoes bred and thrived in this natural reserve and played havoc not only with the turkish army but with our men too when the wind blew from the north, it carried the little demons amongst us in swarms. We had drained the swampy part of the Melaha within our own lines at enormous pains, so that unless the wind blew from the north, we were fairly free of the irritating pests. As a matter of fact, we used to go out every night half a mile or so in front of our wire, deepening and diverting the streamlet in order to dry up the swamp and remove the breeding ground of the mosquitoes as far as possible from our posts. This was always risky work, for if the Turks had discovered what we were about, they would no doubt have made it very lively for us with rifle and machine-gun fire. From a military point of view, our position in the Melaha was a hazardous one. We were now on the extreme right flank and extreme north front of the British army in Palestine the post of honour and danger in the line, with the Turks practically on three sides of us in the salient which we held. We had the most exposed piece of front to guard which it is possible to conceive, and we were so badly supported by guns, etc., that had the Turks made a determined attack in force, we would probably have been annihilated before succour could reach us. It was altogether an extraordinarily risky position in which to place a raw battalion, the authorities must have had great faith in our fighting abilities. We were the only troops in the Melaha, or within miles of it, our next nearest neighbors being the West Indian Regiment, which had a much better position than ours, close under the Judean hills, with the swift, sweet waters of the Auja running through their lines. The Twentieth Indian Infantry Brigade held the Jordan some three miles to the south of us and it would have been quite feasible for the turks to have concentrated a considerable force and thrust themselves into the gap between our lines and theirs and by doing so we would have been completely cut off the anzac mounted division was strung out a long way southward from the auja to the dead sea and some considerable time would have to elapse before these doughty warriors could come to our assistance the guns guarding our section of the front were very few about six thirteen-pounders and a couple of howitzers, the latter being rarely brought into action. We had in our neighborhood part of the fourth Turkish army, some ten thousand strong, with over seventy guns, so it can be seen how precarious our position was. In our infant days some wag had bestowed upon us the unofficial motto of No Advance Without Security, but here we did not live up to it, for we were indeed well advanced without any security the turks were in possession of the important um Esh shert ford on the jordan and held very strong positions covering the ford on our side of the river and their entrenched line ran right across our front and onward to the judean foothills some ten miles to the west of our position to the southward of the Umesh Shert Ford we had an observation post on the cliffs which overlooked the Jordan, and on a moonlight night it was an eerie experience to stroll across to it and lie on the warm sand, listening to the melancholy howling of the jackals and hyenas which filled the air with their dismal cries and wailings i often wondered if the thick growth of tangled trees and shrubs which spread out over one hundred feet below me up and down the river banks did not conceal many strange wild creatures still unsuspected in these regions the place lends itself to the weird in all things but the only uncanny thing i saw there was a reddish-coloured hare with enormous ears which on that occasion at all events got away safely to the shelter of the reeds the Turkish outposts at this point were established on the opposite bank of the Jordan, but they never molested us or attempted to cross at this point. Our sector, of some seven miles of front, stretched from this point in a northwesterly direction, and we held a series of redoubts, some on the Jordan bank of the Wadi Melaha, others on the in the Ravine, as I have already described, and three more on the right bank of the Wadi. This sector was divided into two. I placed Major Ripley in command of the northwestern part, while Major Neal commanded the southeastern wing. Each of these officers had some six redoubts to defend, and several of the posts were quite isolated and had to depend entirely on themselves in case of attack. I recommended that two of these posts should be abolished, for they were unsuitable for defense purposes. The corps commander, General Chauvel, the divisional commander, and all their staff came out one day to see if my suggestion was sound. I remember we all stood in a row looking over one of the parapets of the useless redoubt in full view of the Turks. If they had only fired a lucky shot from Jericho Jane that morning, they might have made a good bag. All the generals agreed that the two posts were useless, so we dismantled them gladly, for it meant less men to find for duty each night a most important consideration when one's men are all too few for the work in hand this was the last i saw of general chauvel and general hodgson for they were soon afterwards ordered out of the valley to prepare for the great concentration which was being secretly carried out on the extreme left of the army near jaffa when the australian division was removed we were attached to major-general sir edward Chetor, who commanded the anzac mounted division of immortal fame this was a piece of rare good fortune for us for we found in general chater a man of wide sympathy and understanding a demon for work and efficiency but always ready to give honour where honour was due even unto jews although our position in the melaha was such an isolated and precarious one we had no pessimistic forebodings with regard to our ability to give a good account of ourselves if attacked. We felt that, the greater the danger, the greater the honour, and it behoved us to be all the more vigilant and up-and-doing at all times. The magnificent way in which the men responded to the call of duty in that desolate, nerve-racking region is beyond all praise. All day long the sun beat down mercilessly on them their only shelter being a flimsy bit of bivouac canvas and the nights were stifling perspiration streamed from every pore even when resting flies and mosquitoes deprived every one of sleep for our mosquito nets soon became torn and worthless and could not be replaced just before dark every available man other than those required to go on patrols and reconnoitring duty had to parade fully equipped and march to his post on the redoubts. Here the apparently endless night was spent. At dawn the men marched back to their comfortless bivouacs to snatch what repose they could, before they were again called upon to work on strengthening the redoubts and deepening the trenches. It was in truth an exceedingly strenuous life under such terrible climatic conditions. Water could only be obtained in very limited quantities, every drop had to be carried from the auja four or five miles away. The whole place was constantly enveloped in stagnant dust, so it can be imagined with what appetite a man could tackle food under such appalling conditions, every mouthful of which was necessarily full of sand and grit. An Australian summed up life in the Jordan Valley very well, when he remarked one sweltering day, God need not have troubled to make hell when he had the Jordan Valley. This part of the Jordan Valley is not supposed to be habitable during the months of August and September. Even the wild Bedouins, who linger in these parts to feed their flocks of goats, flee from the accursed place in these two dreaded months. No British soldier had yet been called upon to endure the horrors of the Melaha even for a week. Nevertheless, the Jewish battalion was kept there for over seven weeks at the most deadly period of the year. Looking back upon it all, I can only say that the Jewish people may well be proud of their battalion for the admirable way it carried on, in this abomination of desolation. It was about the hottest, most unhealthy, and most God-forsaken place in the universe. In fact, some of my men assured me that they saw the devil himself there horns tail and all such was the position allotted to the thirty-eighth battalion to defend and hold and it can be imagined that the change from the hill-tops of ephraim to this inferno was appalling knowing that our enemies had already tried to abolish the jewish battalion i was strongly reminded of the story of uriah the hittite how terribly we suffered owing to our tour of duty in this pestilential region will be described in a later chapter end of chapter 12 recording by jonathan story